Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the dueling club, learning one spell at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to the dueling club. I'm Jen. And I'm Al. And I was really loud at the beginning. Sorry about that. You're always loud. Eh, sometimes. Always. Not always. Always. Anyway, how are you? What have you been up to? I'm okay. Not much, really. Just living my best life. I was going to say, if you say living the dream, I'm going to be so mad at you. No. Okay. What's the dream? I don't know. I don't know. Because lately my dreams have not been very nice. So if that's living the dream, I don't want to live that. No. I tend to have very weird dreams. They're very vivid, and sometimes they're nice, sometimes they're not. It's just the way it is. Well. No biggie. That's your subconscious hating you. Well, true story. No, it's not necessarily my subconscious hating me. I don't have, like, night terrors. I don't wake up in the middle of the night screaming. Um, I do have a tendency to talk in my sleep, but I think that that's a our family thing because you do too and our sister does too um and it's more that my subconscious is trying to work things out and it's easier when i'm sleeping i guess for those things to break through and it's not necessarily always nice but again in our sleeping hours our brain handles the things that it can't handle in our waking hours so yeah, I think that you particularly repress how you feel during your waking hours. Um, it's not necessarily repress. It's more like move it over until I have the opportunity to deal with it. You never have the opportunity to deal with it because you busy yourself. True so you're story. How you feel. No, stop it! Stop being right. I don't like it. It is what it is. Anyway. So we've been gone for a little bit, and we apologize. This is actually going to be the second episode that you hear, because the first one we recorded like a week and a half ago, we just haven't been able to put it out there, because life. Um, And now we're going to put it out, but this is the second episode. Hi, we missed you. Sorry, we got busy. Things happened. Life. But we had, what was it? Thanksgiving? That was nice. It was actually pretty nice. Yes, it was nice and calm. I, I did not have a good day, and I'm sure you were, you noticed. Yes, that. I did. You were so, not in a great mood. The, the, it's a very simple thing. Yes. Too many people, and the people are probably not going to hear this, so I'm just going to say it to be honest, and people I'm not thankful are in my life. That's not very nice. It's honest. But it's not nice. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. I'm just saying. It's like, I'm very used to just family. And so I'm okay, obviously, with your boyfriend coming because he's part of your family. You guys are creating a family together and by extension are an extension of our family. Yes, we have our little family. We have our two cats. Exactly. So, like, I'm perfectly okay with that. But why is... Why are two family friends over? Well... I'm not. Okay, yeah, don't we're not going to get into it. Don't need to talk about the reasons. Yeah, I'm no, just no, saying no. that's what happened and why I was frustrated. And the the guy family friend butchered my turkey that I made. Oh. Butchered it in front of me. He was sitting right next to me. Butchered it. How do you not know that you're not supposed to cut through the bones on a turkey, bro? I don't even. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> But I had two Thanksgivings. Do you know how many turkeys I had? How many? Three. Nice. Your turkey. Which one was the best one? The deep fried turkey. That's not fair, though. I then know. everything becomes crispy and delicious. I know. That is unfair. Okay, is mine second at least? Yes. Okay, I'll take it. Because yours was still juicy. The one, the regular one that was baked regularly in the oven for hours and hours That's and cool, hours. Right? Of yeah. Course. Of course. Everyone makes them It was still tasty, but it was on the drier side. So, That's why they had two. One deep fried and one cooked the regular way. One tip to people who are listening. If you do turkey, either regularly or even if you don't, here's a tip. More fat in the meat means that it has to cook for longer. 
So if you compare a breast that's very lean with thigh that is very fatty, you need different cook times. So if you cook a turkey whole, you run the risk of drying out the breast so that the, the thigh and stuff like that is very juicy. Incorrect. What you do is spatchcock it to, to dry brine it and then cut it into pieces after the fact, after it's been dry brined for 12 hours plus. Cut into pieces and then bake, like roast the turkey. Yeah. Normally. It cooks in a fraction of the time and everything stays juicy. Yes. Ultimate pro tip. Or deep fry it. Or deep fry it. I mean... Or smoke it as well. Smoking it also yes. keeps it pretty juicy. But the thing is with smoking it... Who's going to have a smoker readily so accessible to them? The smoky flavor permeates the meat, mm-hmm. but you don't get any crispiness. Yeah. Because the, the skin is just fat and it renders down onto the meat. Yeah. Whereas if you deep fry it, you get crispiness everywhere. Agreed. It was it was very good. And it, lo- it seals in the moisture. Well. Yes. Other than um, I was just mad that n- nobody had mac and cheese. Nobody. Nobody. You had... So we had mashed potatoes here. And they had a potato salad, which was fine. Like, I enjoyed both of them. Um, we had stuffing. They had stuffing. Their stuffing was better. Not gonna lie. Respect. Like, they handmade that. It wasn't a from a box and then doctored up. It was handmade. Respect. Um, and they had ribs that were done out on the grill. So, overall, I would say that the meals were just, in general, really good. But deep fry a turkey, bro. Like, guys, gals, everyone, if you do turkey, deep fry it. Make sure it's completely dry before you put it in the oil. Or else you're going to burn something down. Uh, yeah. This has been my TED Talk. I love it. Okay. Anyway. Um, yesterday I hung out with one of my friends in New York City. You told me about this. Yes. Yes. So, this friend, it's somebody I went to college with the first time. The first time I went to college. And she super duper nice. We reconnected not too long ago. And okay, so you and I have talked about love languages before, right? Yes. So one of one of the love languages is gift giving. Um, she's a gift giver, and it's not her trying to buy your affection because sometimes that's what gift giving is. No, that's that's what people trying to make up for something do. Yes. Is buy you a gift to plus onto their apology or as an apology. It's not actual love language gift giving. Gift yeah. giving is literally, let's say I'm just sitting there and I remember that someone I care about is like, damn, I really wish I had like a new water bottle. Mm-hmm. And that dings in my head and I go, dude, I should get them a water bottle. They really yeah. like that. Like, that'd be nice. So from the water bottle. That is the like pure gift giving. Yes. Anyway, continue. So Sorry. she ended up um, <clears throat> sending me these really nice fro- um, wooden ergonomic crochet hooks. Ugh. You have to from furls. From furls. And I know that doesn't mean anything for it you. Means literally nothing. So. They, it's a really good brand. Yes. And these are like... Is my audio good? Can you check on the little graphic graph? Yes, yes, yes. You're wanna, fine. I, I want to pull it closer a little bit. You're fine. You're fine. Okay, so they're actually like higher end hooks. So they're they're not cheap. Okay. She got me two of them. and A, a couple of months ago. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. And since since the last time we hung out that's when she got them for me like right afterwards so we were gonna hang out yesterday so i was like you know what i want to give her a gift because i know that her love language is is getting and receiving gifts just because and i said to myself self what would be a great gift to give you don't have time because you literally thought about it tonight what are you gonna do so remember that beautiful crochet hook that i got from from Wickedly Handmade? Yes. I gave it to her. 
Here's why. Because it felt like it needed to be given to her. Like I was holding it and I felt like it needed to be given to her. Mm. I also managed to get in on a pre-order for them for from Wickedly Handmade mm. for a Ravenclaw crochet hook. So I said, I don't need two of their crochet hooks. That is excessive. And if I give this one to my friend, she's going to appreciate it because she's also very craft, crafty, craftsy, crafty, crafty is the word. And she would enjoy it. Al, I tell you, when she opened it up, her eyes lit up. She talked about the craftsmanship of the the handle. She talked about how good it felt and how perfectly weighted it was. She talked about the different colors of the wood and how they just worked so well together. And she's like, ooh, and this doesn't catch on anything. I also gave her this really pretty yarn that I had because she knits and crochets. Well, she crochets mostly. She just started knitting. Um, and I felt like it was the right thing to do and I felt like if anyone was going to appreciate it it was going to be her you know sometimes mm -hmm. we have things that are nice to us mm -hmm. but we're not like the real owner kind of like wands in Harry Potter right yeah and so like the the look the expression that she probably had was enough for you to go like this is the right decision. Yes. Well, that makes sense to me then. Because I was I was actually I hadn't even used it. It was still sitting in the box. And it was gorgeous and I thought about it over and over again and I kept thinking to myself whenever I start a new project I'm going to use this hook. I'm going to use this hook. I started a new project for a supplemental Christmas gifts for a couple of the children in my life um and it was the right hook size but I didn't use it and I had been telling myself that I was going to use this new hook because it's beautiful it's gorgeous you know I tried for several months to get it all of that and it didn't feel right and I don't know why it didn't feel right until I gave it to her and I saw her face and I was like this is why it wasn't mine. Fair enough. So, that is that is what happened. I feel like we talked about a whole bunch of not Harry Potter stuff. True. Like we always do. True. Exactly. Speaking of Harry Potter stuff, the the game of the Hogwarts game of houses or whatever it's called. I had it pop before, but I think it's like Hogwarts Battle of the Houses. Something, I think, like, something that. like that. Let me look it up right it now. It started um, last week. Okay. There's a new episode tonight. Yes. Um, my opinion of it is not... Harry Potter Hogwarts Tournament of Houses. There we go. Don't love it. And we've already, like, we've already talked about why, but basically it's because they intermingle book and movie stuff. Mm -hmm. with not enough division and the things are not important so who cares about the couch that's in the Dursleys it wasn't the Dursleys it was the couch what, that Hermione's parents were Hermione's sitting in when she were, obliviated yes, yes, yes. them okay either way don't was, care that was a slight spoiler but you know whatever you didn't have to talk. Why'd you even... You could have said the couch in the Herm uh, Hermione's house. Why'd you have to go into detail? Well, then let me get rid of it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get rid of it because now it's there. Okay. But anyway. Because we already talked, said that we're going to have some spoilers every once in a while. And they don't know why it's done. But anyway, let's keep it moving. So, yeah, I... you Like you said, you and I have spoken about it. And I enjoyed it because I feel like the fandom needs an extra little something. Um, I feel like most of the questions were very, very, for, for me, I feel like most of the questions were pretty easy, except for the obscure, where's the, what does the couch look like? Um, and, and I feel like, like you said, there wasn't 
enough of a division. They should have said, this question is based off of the movie. Or this question they is do, based off then, of the book. It's like, one is the book, one is the movie, and then one is just, like, completely nonsense kind of thing. It's like... Yeah, it, it, like, it should have been a little bit more. Also, I like that they're doing the, in connection with that, on the, the Harry Potter fandom, Wizarding World, whatever it's called now, that site, where you can answer questions and get points for your house al- alongside that. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, I'm in a few different groups on Facebook, so in my Ravenclaws Unite group, we are talking about how much we're kicking butt because Ravenclaws are winning by like a hundred thousand points over Gryffindors, and by like I can actually tell you because I can look right now. Anywho, another big issue for me is that the questions that were flubbed were done to keep the tie up until the last round. Yeah, I felt like. They what were what, pl- is, they what were... is Dumbledore's fourth name? Like, you're telling me you don't know? Yeah, I felt like they were talking through the answers for the sake of everybody else, as opposed to actually having to talk through their logic to get to the it's answers. to pull people in so that they can go, oh my god, that's so obvious or something, so you get invested in the show. Yeah. But that's not done on, like, typical, like, like trivia shows. Yeah, for me, like, if I had gotten some of the things that they got, um, some of the questions they got, I would have been like, it's this. I wouldn't even look at my like, teammates. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, like, it's this. Yeah. So, right now, where it was, is... Where was where was um, Godric Gryffindor born? And where did he live? Yeah. So, at 3.48 p.m. on a sun, on Sunday, the 5th of December... The way that the points stand right now is um, first place, Ravenclaw, at a little bit over 942,000. Second place is Slytherin at right under 912,000. Third place is Gryffindor at a little bit over 826,000. And fourth place is Hufflepuff at right around 768,000. So that's what's happening right now. If you guys want to participate and bring points for your house, then go to the Wizarding World, wizardingworld.com, the Harry Potter fandom site that used to be, um, what was it? What did it used to be? Do you remember what it used to be called? What? Wizarding World? Pottermore. That's what it used to be called. The thing that replaced Pottermore. You have to do it on a web browser. You can't do it in the app itself. So just pull it up on your web browser on your phone and do it that way. Last week it was 10 questions. This week it's 15 questions. You get a point for each question you get right. It's not that hard. I like the one that's on the Alexa app before. Remember the ones yes. that were kind of tricky? Those questions are actually good. Well, there's one this week that I had to actually think about it because, again, they're going to bring in Cursed Child because Cursed Child is considered canon. Not by us, but whatever. Um, and I had to remember a detail from it. I'm not going to say it on the podcast in case somebody wants to take the quiz. No, it's it's how old the trolley witch is. N- no, well, no, that's no. one from the show. That was from the show. Okay. This one was about a detail about someone. Um, the 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 overarching theme this week is magical creatures. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and and I guess that's what the theme is going to be for this week on the show. We'll see. I don't know. But like I said. If this is what we need to get people looking at stuff for the fandom, then I want it to do well, especially since I want to figure out how you and I can be on season two of it. Or three or whatever. Or three or four, whatever. But I want there to be a season two for us to be on it. Because right now everything's happening because it's the 20th anniversary of the book. 
I want it to keep happening. I want there to still be talk about this. I want there to be things, you know? I, w- I don't want it to just be little little avenues, little niches here and there. I want it to be everybody loves it, you know? It's Harry Potter is something that can unite with ease. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what it did. And that's what it can continue to do as long as... Shun. <laughs> Shun. Okay. Well, so... But the thing is, I still have and people who so are... Much, there's so much trivia material. Oh my god. Yes. Let me ask you a question that just came to my head randomly. Okay. Hepzibah Smith, what is her house elf's name? <laughs> Hold on. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Continue, continue. No, I'm saying, like, how... Yeah. It takes two seconds to make a really neat question. I bet you guys don't remember either. But that's... What is her name? I have no idea. That's what I'm saying. How do you not know? I don't know. How are you going to ask a question and not know? <laughs> because I don't remember either. Uh, yeah. Hebsibah Smith's house elf. Oh, hokey. Yes. Good old Googles. Anyway, yeah, I knew that in the back of my mind. But again, that's, that's, in college the first time, I actually had a professor Mm -hmm. who would quiz us like that on movies we watched. He curved all of his grading because nobody ever got all of the questions right. Because he'd ask something like, in this movie, when the clock struck 12 midnight in the square, what was so-and-so wearing? <laughs> You'd be like, that was a flash of two seconds. And you want me to remember that? But once you knew that that's what he was looking for, you knew to pay attention to everything. But he was doing it so that... And I was his, I was like his TA for a little bit later Mm -hmm. on, you know, later down the road. Um, He told me that the reason he wrote his quizzes like that on the movies was to make sure, one, that everybody was watching the movies instead of just coming and like talking to each other or doing homework for another class or whatever. And two, he wanted to make people pay attention to details because so often we understand the concept overall, but we don't understand the details behind the concept. So we're not able to apply the concept to other things. It just lives in its own little space. So he wanted to have people be more observant, more aware, and be able to think critically and apply those thoughts to something else. Also. And also he just liked to mess with people. Yes. But also, <laughs> we should get onto Harry Potter now because do you remember what this chapter is? Oh yeah. We need to go now. <laughs> okay, so here we are, back in our thing. Yes. Um, we are on season five. Five. Episode. 23. Episode twenty-three. Chapter twenty-two. Chapter twenty-two. Oh. Of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Chapter 22, the title of this chapter is St. Mungo's Hospital for Magical Maladies and Injuries. That's a mouthful. A little bit. Yes. So, very, very quick recap. Yes. Harry had a bad dream. Yes. And they're all going to Dumbledore's office now. Right now. Right this very (laughs) second. Begin. Uh, Professor... Professor. 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 (laughs) Professor McGonagall. That's our specialty is making new words. I know. Minerva McGonagall. Uh, My favorite character in the entire series. Continue. Sorry. Escorts Ron and Harry um, to the headmaster's office. Are you okay right now? Yeah, I'm fine. Because you literally just went... You can't see my hands, which is nice. Yeah. Anyway. So... Many voices are heard within Professor Dumbledore's office. Yes. But they fall silent when McGonagall knocks. Hold on. The password to get in is fizzing whizbies. But of course. I just had to point that out. You throw in random details and I will... Yes. Okay. 
Inside, because apparently I can't read today. No, you can't. Inside, suspiciously, Dumbledore is alone. Dumbledore continues to avoid looking at Harry while questioning him, which vexes him. Harry. Um, Harry says his dream was from uh, the dream was from his perspective. Point Hold of on. view. God, words are so. so yes. Dumbledore sitting in his in his high back chair mm-hmm. behind his desk. He leans forward and, like you said, he's not looking at Harry. And Mc- Professor McGonagall says, "Professor Dumbledore, Potter has had a well a nightmare." And Harry quickly adds, "It wasn't a nightmare." And Professor McGonagall looks at him, frowning. Very well, then, Potter, you tell the headmaster about it. And this is when, and I'm not going to read it unless you want me to. No, read it, read it, go for it. Okay. I, well, I was asleep, but it wasn't an ordinary dream. It was real. I saw it happen. Um, he takes a breath and he says, Ron's dad, Mr. Weasley, has been attacked by a giant snake. The words seemed to reverberate in the air after he had said them slightly ridiculous, even comic. There was a pause in which Dumbledore leaned back and stared meditatively at the ceiling. Ron looked from Harry to Dumbledore, white-faced and shocked. Um, how did you see it? Dumbledore asked quietly, still not looking at Harry. Well, I don't know, said Harry rather angrily. What did it matter? Inside my head, I suppose. You misunderstand me, said Dumbledore, still in the same calm tone. I mean, can you remember er, where you were positioned as you watched this attack happen? Were you perhaps standing beside the victim or else looking down on the scene from above? And Harry says, like, I was the snake. Yes. Um, Mr. Weasley's badly hurt. Yeah, I saw it all from the snake's point of view. Uh, nobody else spoke. Now uh, Ron was still, you know, ashen-faced. And Dumbledore asked, "Is Arthur seriously injured?" Harry says, "Yes." Um. I can get to you. Yes. Dumbledore immediately sends two past headmaster portraits, Everard and Dillis. Yes. Uh, to their respective other portraits to search for Mr. Weasley. Because they have portraits in the Ministry of Magic, they can actually go in between them. So it's like yes. actually like a really cool So a salad-faced wizard with short black bangs and an elderly witch with long silver ringlets. Those were the... the... Yes. But yes, I think it's very cool that you can travel from one of your portraits to the other. Well, the, it's the thing is that... So, we've seen before that the subject of portraits can travel throughout the castle, Mm -hmm. but this is the first time that we're actually made aware that if you have another portrait, you can go to that portrait as opposed to going in your surroundings if there's other paintings. Like, somehow these... You're you're dead at this point. Yes. Um, Because obviously they're previous headmasters, so they're not still living. Um, you're dead and you would think that you'd be confined to the space in which you died or you know like Myrtle is but we know Myrtle is because of other stuff yeah but I think it's interesting that in portraits not only can you travel around to the other portraits in your area but you can leave your where you're situated and go hundreds and even thousands of miles away to another portrait of yours. Well, so what it is is there are special portraits like those mm-hmm. that cannot go in their surroundings. So like Everard and 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 Phineas Nigellus later and like all the portraits of mm-hmm. the previous headmasters, they cannot roam the school. Yes. Their portraits are like tunnels for yes. the subjects to go in between their or specific portals. Ones. Yes. So they can only go to those specific paintings or portraits rather. The ones in Hogwarts who, like, aren't of anyone particularly special, just, like, normal portraits, they can circle surrounding portraits as if, like, it's like a landscape almost. But theirs are really special. Also, interestingly enough, I think it's, uh, I don't know where it was said, but the, the subject of the portrait has to be taught by the living being how to act like them. Oh. 
is what I've heard. Could be wrong. Please fact check me on that one. But in the James Potter series that I've mentioned a few times, the unofficial fanfic, you can read for free online, by the way, what they are are like mini horcruxes. Slight spoiler on that one. No one knows. I mean, if you haven't read it, then you won't know what it is. And if you have read it, then you will know. But it, like, is a portion of that person's, like, not soul, but of their likeness. Like, how do I call it? It's like, it's like an echo of their soul is, like, captured and put in the portrait. But the echo doesn't live until the person dies. Ah, uh, okay. So when they pass away, the portrait wakes up. Okay. That's crazy. When I read that, I was like, oh my god, why is there so much detail in this fanfic? This makes, this is crazy. Okay. Anywho. Um, Dumbledore dispatches Fox to warn Mrs. Weasley, though her magical clock may have already alerted her to the danger, and Dumbledore compliments the clock, actually, yes. in this, where he's just like, her, her great, her wonderful clock or whatever. Um... <clears throat> Dumbledore sets an intricate silver machine on his desk in motion and emits a puff of smoke that transforms into a snake. Dumbledore says, naturally, but in essence divided. The smoke stream splits into two snakes. Uh, Everard's portrait returns, reporting that Mr. Weasley was found badly injured and has been sent to St. Mungo's. Dumbledore sends Professor McGonagall to fetch the other Weasley children. So before before we do that... Um, Everard says, I yelled until someone came running, said I'd heard something moving downstairs. They weren't sure whether to believe me, but went down to check. You know, you know, there are no portraits down there to watch from. Anyway, they carried him up a few minutes later. He doesn't look good. He's covered in blood. I ran along to Elfrida Craig's portrait to get a good view as they left. Yes. Good. I take it Dilly will have seen him arrive then. Yes, they've taken him to St. Mungo's. Dumbledore, they carried him past under my portrait. He looks bad. Mm-hmm. And then um, Minerva, I need you to you yes. know, go wake the other Weasley children. Dumbledore creates a porky, then addresses Phineas's Oh, portrait. and this is where she says that the ex- this is where he says the excellent clock. He says, that will be a job for Fox when he has finished keeping a lookout for anybody approaching. But she may already know that excellent clock of hers. I'm telling you, that clock is so good. I, I wish we had a way of having one now in real life. There is, I'm sure there's a way. You know what the way is? Mm. Is using an app on a clock that is connected to smartwatches that checks heart rates. Yes. And have like certain parameters met. Like if your heart rate exceeds this amount, then clearly you're in danger. So it'll show danger on the clock. That could work. That million dollar idea, by the way. Or a watch that also maybe even make it easier just shows your location. You can't turn off location and it just home, you know, work, school. Prison. Yeah, but, but I'm saying that, <laughs> you know. I mean you, that as well. Location and heart rate to sort of figure it out. Yes, but you'd have to make sure to always keep that charged because if you take it off and charge it and there's no heart rate, did that'd be bad. That would be very bad. True. Okay. <clears throat> like that would that might cause a heart attack. <clears throat> True. Dumbledore creates a port key, then addresses Phineas's portrait, who grudgingly agrees to deliver a message to Sirius at Grimald Place. That the Weasley children and Harry will soon arrive. Do you know what the spell is for creating a porky? Portis? Yes. Ha <laughs> Anyway. Take that tournament of houses. <laughs> Fred, George, and Ginny arrive with Professor McGonagall. Oh, he actually tries to get Phineas to do stuff now. Yeah. Yeah, so he's like, I Phineas. Phineas! He says it five times. Before he, oh, yes, had miles. D- did someone call? Yeah. Come on, all of you knew. And it says, he could not pretend any longer. He gave a theatrical jerk and opened his eyes wide. Did someone call? <laughs> uh, Fox sends a warning that Umbridge is on her way, and McGonagall leaves to head her off. As he activates the porky, Dumbledore looks directly at Harry for the first time. Intense pain in his scar and overwhelming hatred causes Harry to want to attack Dumbledore. So it, Harry realizes that it's like an irrational thing, mm-hmm. but it's a really, it's a very real feeling that he has in this moment. 
mm-hmm. to want to hurt Dumbledore, which is not normal, obviously. <clears throat> Arriving at Grimmauld Place, Harry hears Creature. So, before that, the reason they take a port key. It's unmonitored. Yes. Dumbledore actually says it because Fred asks flu powder. And Dumbledore says, no, flu powder is not safe at the moment. The network is being watched. You will be taking a port key. We are just waiting for Phineas Nigellus to report back. I wish to be sure that the coast is clear before sending you. So the flu network is being monitored. Um, the, the, the head in the fire that was part of the flu network. So we know that from when Sirius was communicating with them earlier. But they are supposed to not be aware. But they're, yes. So he's saying it for the sake of like Fred and George and Ginny who don't know, but Harry and Ron know. Mm-hmm. And those are the only Weasleys at Hogwarts right now. Fred, George, Ginny, and Ron. Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Right at Place. Harry hears Creature muttering aspersions to the children about blood traitors. Before that. Mm -hmm. So. What spiciness? Fox. What was he watching before? Do you know? Yeah, it already said. What? Watching watching to make sure that that, uh, Umbridge wasn't on her way. Fox actually sends a flash of flame in the middle of the office, Mm -hmm. leaving a single golden feather floating gently to the floor. And that's her warning that she knows that all of them are out of bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, Minerva, go and head her off. Tell her any story. Like, throw her off the scent. Go. I love Minerva. Yes. I already <laughs> said this, though. Anyway. I know. Uh, Sirius orders him out. Creature. Yes. Um... Harry tells the Weasley children series about his vision, though he refrains from sharing that he was the snake. Yeah, so Fred says, ask Harry, um, because they were pulled Sirius out says, what's going on? Phineas Nigellus said, Arthur's been badly injured. Mm-hmm. Fred says, ask Harry. George says, yeah, I want to hear this for myself. Um, the twins and Ginny are just staring at him, and you can hear Creature's footsteps stop on the stairs outside and he was he says it was I had a kind of vision and he tells them that he had seen uh, what he had seen though he alters the story so that it sounded as though he watched it from the sidelines Mm -hmm. instead of being the snake that attacked Um, Ron was still very white gave him a fleeting look but didn't say anything and when Harry finished Fred, George and Jenny continued to stare at him for a moment Harry did not know whether he was imagining it or not, but he fancied there was something accusatory in their looks. Well, if they were going to blame him for just seeing the attack, he was glad he had not told them that he had been inside the snake at the time. And then Fred asks, is mom here? Um, she's, she probably doesn't even know what's happened yet, said Sirius. The important thing was to get you away from um, before Umbridge could interfere. Yes. I expect Dumbledore is letting Molly know now. And Ginny urgently says, we've got to go to St. Mungo's. Sirius, can you lend us cloaks or something? And he said, hang on. You can't go tearing off to St. Mungo's. And Fred's like, of course we can. He's our dad. And Sirius says, and how are you going to explain how you knew Arthur was attacked before the hospital even let his wife know? Yeah. Doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. But again. Yeah. And George is like, what does it matter? That's what happens. And Sirius is finally the voice of reason. Because mm-hmm. Sirius is usually the one who's impetuous and wants to run away and do the thing that he shouldn't do. And Sirius says it matters because we don't want to draw attention to the fact that Harry is having visions of things that are happening hundreds of miles away. Have you any idea what the ministry would make of that information? And um, Ginny is like, someone else could have told us. We could have heard it somewhere other than Harry. And Sirius, starting to get impatient, says, like who? 
Listen, your dad's been hurt while on duty for the order and the circumstances are fishy enough without his children knowing about it seconds after it happened. You could seriously damage the orders. And Fred interrupts and says, we don't care about the dumb order. It's a thing. It's an irrational fear of potentially losing your parent. Mm -hmm. And I understand there is a way to sort of skirt around the, the thing that people know. She has the clock. The only issue is how they were made aware of the reading of the clock. Exactly. If everything's being monitored, which we know it is, because Umbridge hurt hurt Hedwig when Hedwig was trying to get Harry a letter. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that's being monitored. We know the flu network is being monitored. How are they going to find out something that their mom just found out by looking at a clock? And what does the clock mean? The clock would say what in peril mortal danger mortal yeah. peril that's yeah. what it says it doesn't say what happened it doesn't say yeah, but, where he is it just says mortal peril well it does say where he is but it says mortal it peril hospital, at that moment it would have said when it happened mortal peril work but where at work so the thing is is that it doesn't give a specific location you, you can totally, so how are they going to say it again you could totally find a way around it but I don't it, know. Would, it would take too much. No, it's really easy. Harry Potter is friends with the Weasleys, and he spends his summer there sometimes, so Dumbledore has a way to communicate with them in case anything were to happen. Like, you could use excuses. You didn't have to prove it. Who's going to make Dumbledore prove anything? But, but, this is going out on a limb and forcing people to make a stupid story as opposed to waiting an hour. Yeah. Or even waiting five minutes. Because, Ten minutes. Because number one is that they can't do anything by being there anyway. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just the irrational thing of like wanting to be there as support, but having to understand that your support, big on, big honesty in that moment means nothing. What matters is that the healers can get to Arthur and keep him alive, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just one of, again, it's just like irrational nature of humans. Yes, and this is where Fred, of course, he said, we don't care about the dumb order. Mm -hmm. And George says, yells, it's our dad dying we're talking about. Mm -hmm. They don't know if he's dying. They know he's been gravely injured. They're assuming that he's dying. And Sirius, he goes a little far. He says, your father knew what what he was getting into. And he won't thank you for messing things up for the order. This is how it is. This is why you're not in the order. You don't understand. There are things worth dying for. And Fred goes a little bit far. But again, Fred is 17. And he's facing the fact that his dad has been seriously injured. And he says, easy for you to say, stuck here. I don't see you risking your neck. And we already know that Sirius would like to be out there doing stuff. Yes. But he's still a wanted man. Mm-hmm. He can't. If he were to go outside right now, outside of 12 Grimmauld Place, he would end up getting caught immediately and taken right back. Not even taken right back to Azkaban. They would probably have a Dementor perform the kiss right there. Well, the, uh, because of the climate, the, 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 the social climate. Because of the, the political client, the that, climate, that, yes, that, that one. The, the, the ministry's objective at the moment would be to show a strong front and give him the mentor's kiss. Yeah. So he looks for a moment as though he wants to hit Fred. Mm-hmm. and But when he speaks, he's very calm. He says, I know it's hard, but we've all got to act as though we don't know anything yet. We've got to stay put at least until we hear from your mother. Mm-hmm. All right. Fred and George look mutinous. Ginny takes a few steps over to the nearest chair and sinks into it. Harry looks over at Ron, who made a funny movement somewhere between a nod and a shrug, and they sit down too. And then the twins, glaring at Sirius, sit on either side of Ginny. Mm-hmm. Well, some time passes. Yeah. And Molly sends word that Mr. Weasley is seriously injured but still alive. And she arrives much later to the group's relief and brings news that Mr. Weasley will recover from his injuries and expresses her deep gratitude to Harry for saving her husband's life. Yes. So it's it comes via a parchment that's carried by Fox. 
Um, or it comes via parchment. There's a burst of flame, the little yes. feather, so we know it's Fox. Oh. Um, and it's not Dumbledore's writing. It's a message from their mom, and it says, Dad is still alive. I am setting out for St. Mungo's now. Stay where you are. I will send news as soon as I can. Mom. Yes. Okay. Skip out to when she actually gets there then. Because that's yes. why I mentioned as well. Yes. Um, and then at 10 past 5 in the morning, Mrs. Weasley enters the kitchen. She's extremely pale, but when they turn to look at her, Fred, Ron, and Harry half rising from the chairs, she gives a smile. Mm-hmm. And she's like, he's going to be all right. He's sleeping. We can all go see him later. Bill's sitting with him now. He's going to take the morning off work. Um, And then, you know, Sirius is there and he's like, breakfast, creature, help. Um, But creature doesn't come and he's like, oh, forget it then. So they get breakfast going and Mrs. Weasley um, pulls him in for a hug and says, I don't know what would have happened if it hadn't been for you, Harry. They might not have found Arthur for hours, and then it would have been too late. But thanks to you, he's alive, and Dumbledore's been able to think up a good cover story for Arthur being where he was. You've no idea what trouble he would have been in otherwise. Look at poor Sturgis. Um, oh, Sirius, I'm so grateful. They think we'll be here a while, and it would be wonderful to be near and of course that might mean we're here for Christmas because Sirius yes because Sirius is like just stay here you're fine um and he actually exactly that's what he says um and Harry wants to talk to Sirius yes privately Harry confesses to Sirius that he seemed to be the snake and about the intense rage and hatred he felt towards Dumbledore Sirius tells him not to worry about it Later, Harry is unable to sleep, fearing he will turn into a snake and attack Ron. <clears throat> the group decides to stay at Grimmauld Place for Christmas, as yes. you mentioned, to be close to the hospital. The next day, Tonks and Mad-Eye Moody escort everyone to St. Mungo's. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, Tonks, and Moody have, or so they think, a private discussion regarding the previous night's events. Uh, using Fred and George's extendable ears to eavesdrop, Harry and the Weasley children overhear Mo- Moody saying that Harry is seeing inside Voldemort's mind, and Harry wonders if he's being possessed by Voldemort. Okay, so it kind of goes over a couple of things. A lot of things, actually. Yeah. Very brief, but if you want to hit on the details, go yeah. for it. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to go back up because I was like, where are you? So there was a very stu- uh, stooped wizard who was also going in um, the fifth floor. Well, okay. So let's start. They get to St. Mungo's. Um, they see the portrait of Dillis Derwent, uh, St. Mungo's healer, 1722 to 1741, headmistress of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry from 1741 to 1768. Yes. Okay. So they get there and they go to the floor guide to read where they have to go. Yeah, the floor guide's awesome. I know. Artifacts, accidents, ground floor, cauldron explosion, wand backfiring, broom crashes, etc. Creature induced injuries, first floor, bites, stings, burns, embedded spines, etc. Magical bugs, second floor. Contagious maladies, examples, dragon pox, vanishing sickness, scrofungulus. I don't want to know what that is. No, that's not good. No. Potion and plant poisoning, third floor. Rashes, regurgitation, uncontrollable giggling, etc. Spell damage, fourth floor. Unliftable jinxes, hexes, and incorrectly applied charms etc visitors tea room and hospital shop fifth floor um if you are unsure of where to go incapable of normal speech or unable to remember why you are here our welcome witch will be pleased to help i love it 
So then in front of them, there's a, a wizard with a hearing trumpet who's there to see Boderick, Boderick Bode, Broderick Bode. Ah, there's an R there. Uh, Ward 49, but I'm afraid you're wasting your time. He's completely addled, you know, still thinks he's a teapot. Next. Um, Remember that name, by the way. Yes. And then there is a a harassed looking wizard holding his small daughter tightly by the ankle while she flapped around his head using the immensely large feathery wings (laughs) that had sprouted right out of the back of her romper. Fourth floor. Next. It was a little girl? Yep. His small daughter. He was holding on to her like this. And you can't see it, but I put my arm up in the air like I'm holding somebody's ankle. Like a balloon. Yes. Yes. I I was curious if she was like their age-ish or maybe a little younger. Small daughter. If she was like a homeschooled and accidentally did that to herself. And that just reminds me of the kid in um, the last book. Uh, in Goblet of Fire at the uh, Quidditch World Cup. Little yes. Little boy who got who the was, wand and then forged yes. the beetle. And then I think his mom stepped on it by accident or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then next is Mrs. Weasley. And she says, hello, my husband, Arthur Weasley, was supposed to be moved to a different ward this morning. Could you tell us Arthur Weasley? Yes. First floor, second door on the right. Day, Day Llewellyn Ward. I actually know that word. Oh, look at that. Nice. Uh, thank you. Come on. Come on, you lot. Let's go. Kind of thing. Yes. And they go. Bring everything. Uh, the day Llewellyn Ward is for serious bites. It says dangerous. So that's great. Um, and we'll wait outside. Not too many visitors at once. It ought to just be family first. Um, and... Harry tried to stay out, and Mrs. Yeah. said, no way, you're coming in. Yeah, she's like, don't be silly, Harry. Uh, Arthur wants to thank you. So they go in, and he's like, hello, Bill just left. Molly had to get back. Molly, he had to get back to work, but he says he'll drop in later. And Mrs. Weasley's like, how are you, Arthur? You're still looking a bit peaky. And he's like, I'm fine. If they could only take off these bandages, I'd be fit to go home. And why can't they take it off? Because every time they do, he starts bleeding like crazy. <laughs> um, it seems like it's a really unusual kind of poison that was in the snake's fangs, and it keeps the wounds open. Um, and he's like, don't worry, I have it better than some other people. And um, that fellow over there, he was bitten by a werewolf, poor chap. No, no cure at all. A werewolf? Mrs. Weasley says a werewolf, like, looking alarmed. Is he safe in the public ward? Shouldn't he be in a private room? And he's like, it's perfectly okay. It's another two weeks till the full moon. We're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Mr. Weasley. He's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. I, if I could get these bandages off, I could go home right now, but they can't. Why not? Because I'd bleed to death. Yes. But it's no biggie. I turned into a vampire snack. <laughs> uh, yeah. A, a vampire yeah. wedding arrangement. The fountain. Yeah. Too much? Too much. Okay. Too much. Um, so George is asking, what were you doing when it happened? And he's like, it's my business. You're getting a lot of details. Just stop. already finished the end. I know. I know. Okay. And I'm trying to find where they they talk about it. Just skip ahead to when Moody I'm enters. looking at it. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. So there it is. For a few seconds, Harry could hear nothing. Then he heard Tonks whispering as clearly as though she was standing right beside him. They searched the whole area, but they couldn't find the snake anywhere. It just seemed to have vanished after it attacked you, Arthur. But you know who can't have expected a snake to get in, can he? I reckon he sent it as a lookout, growled Moody, because he's not had any luck so far, has he? No, I reckon he's trying to get a clearer picture of what he's facing. And if Arthur hadn't been there, the beast would have had much more time to look around. So Potter says he saw it all happen. 
Yes, said Mrs. Weasley. She sounded rather uneasy. You know, Dumbledore seems almost to have been waiting for Harry to see something like this. Yeah, well, there's something funny about the Potter kid. We all know that, said Moody. Uh, Dumbledore seemed worried about Harry when I spoke to him this morning, whispered Mrs. Weasley. Course he's worried, growled Moody. The boy's seeing things from inside you-know-who's snake. Obviously, Potter doesn't realize what that means, but if you-know-who's possessing him... And Harry, it says the last thing, Harry pulled the extendable ear out of his own, his heart hammering very fast and heat rushing up his face. He looked around at the others. They were all staring at him, the string still trailing from their ears, looking suddenly fearful. So it wasn't Harry wondering, everybody's wondering Yep. at this point. The thing is, is that Moody has to be aware of the extendable ears. Number one, he can see them outside of the room. Yeah. Yeah, he can. Now, now that now that I think about it, that adds a lot more to what he just said. Mm-hmm. So I always, I always thought that maybe Moody. I'm just going to say it the way I'm thinking about it. Moody doesn't like secrets. And I think that he's trying to make it so that everything is out in the open. In the easiest way he can do it. He knows Fred and George have the extendable ears. I'm sure Molly has told him. And plus he can see them with his magical eye if he really wants to. You know? So if he's already seen them and he knows that they still have them because hello, they're Fred and George. He knows that they're going to find out what's happening. So he's doing it so that it's out in the open. And I feel like so that there's some dialogue so they can figure out what's happening. Because there's too many secrets happening. Dumbledore isn't talking to Harry. Dumbledore isn't looking at Harry. Dumbledore didn't even talk to Harry when they were in the same place during the hearing in August. Like, Harry hasn't talked to Dumbledore all school year until now. Yeah. There's something happening that nobody's talking about. So out with the secrets. The truth has to come out. That's what I always thought that Moody's role right now was. He wants this the truth to come to light. True, but he also is someone who cherishes people only needing to know what they need to know. Now they need to know. Because they're there with Harry every day. True. So wouldn't you want to know if there was something that was happening to, like, you see our nephew every day. If there was something happening to our nephew that could negatively impact everyone, wouldn't you want to know? Yeah, I guess. It just, again, he's like sowing seeds of discord. But unintentionally, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In a well-meaning way to make them, I don't know. I don't think it's so seeds of discord. It's more of sowing seeds of communication. Because they're going to want to talk about it. Yeah, but the person to talk about is Dumbledore. Dumbledore won't tell anyone anything. Yes, but at least the kids can talk to each other and... and... But they don't have answers. So now it's just... No, but they can talk about what it's... I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it right now because it's a spoiler for later. But they can talk about whether or not he's actually possessed. And what it might mean. And they can help assure Harry that he's not evil. That he's not possessed. That he's just somehow seeing these things. Harry needs to know. Because... Honestly, Harry has been dealing with a lot this year so far. Like, hello, he has a teacher who actively despises him and another teacher who actively physically harms him. Like, there's a problem here this year and he can't talk to anyone because, as he said, um, when Hermione was like, oh, if the parents knew, who's he going to tell? The Dursleys don't care. True. 
I don't know. I think that just Moody... Moody is aware that they're listening, and he's doing too much. Harry doesn't have Agreed. answers. Harry doesn't have answers. He doesn't know what the what he saw. He can't explain it. The only person who could potentially explain it is Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is radio silence with anyone who's not in the need to know. And so all it does is create an atmosphere where there's a back and forth, and no one has an answer, and then people start to imagine things. Yeah. Well, hopefully the Weasleys will be able to, you know, dispel some of that. And by the Weasleys, I mean Mr. and Mrs., not the kids, because the kids are going to make things worse. They they tend to have very active imaginations. Even then, they're not going to say anything because it was, hey, how did this happen? Oh, I don't know. I was just doing something for the, for the order. Well, they can't say it in St. Mungo's because anybody no, could be listening. True, 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 true. So once they get to 12 Grimold Place, once he's better, I would assume that they'd go back there because it's closer and they'd be able to figure it out. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out, right? Yes. Did you read the last line? I did. Good. All right. So that was the end of this chapter. Yes. Yay! Huzzah. Yes. Okay. That was weird. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everyone. Bye. You're weird. True. But so am I. Yep.